the College Planning Edge. Multiply your odds of getting into your dream college and get your hands on thousands of dollars of fat, juicy scholarships. Brought to you by Lockwood College Prep, helping college-bound families get the edge in college admissions, financial aid, scholarships, and test prep. Welcome to the College Planning Edge podcast, brought to you by Lockwood College Prep. Today's episode was originally broadcast as a live stream on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Lockwood College Prep, for our weekly show called College Coffee Talk, Mondays at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. On this show, we talked a little bit about what's happening in the whole financial aid scenario this uh, uh, early March. When is the right time to negotiate? What are some good arguments to negotiate? Talked a little bit more about some of the College Board changes to the logins, which is kind of boring but very important. And we brought in our head SAT and ACT tutor to talk about the pending SAT changes as well as the new offering we have for some cram courses coming up. The next ones are for the uh, April, um, yeah, the April ACT, which, uh, so we have these cram courses, one for each section of the ACT starting at the end of March this month. So check out LockwoodTestPrep.com, that is our sister site, and LockwoodCollegePrep.com for more information and enjoy the episode. Good morning. Welcome to another edition of College Coffee Talk. Pearl and Andy Lockwood here. I'm Andy. I'm Pearl Lockwood. Nice to see you all. Nailed that one. <laughs> if you're enjoying some coffee like we are with our swag mugs, please join us in a simultaneous sip. Cheers. Yes. Um, or something stronger, as the case may be. This time of year when seniors are waiting for their uh, admissions results to come in, you may wish to self-medicate with something stronger than uh, than coffee. On a side note, I was very pleased that our clients, the Duggins, sent us a case of wine, which was extremely over the top. So, Ellen, if you're but much appreciated, if you're watching, yeah, a bottle would have been uh, more than more more than sufficient. But maybe she felt like we needed it. I don't know. She's probably right. Uh, but but, but that was uh, unexpected, and uh, thank you very much. So, okay, so we have a few things on uh, on tap today. One is uh, just sort of a general update of what's happening in, in financial aid and a little bit of negotiating uh, tips. Um, we're also going to be talking about the SAT changes that are pending, when they're happening, why you should care. Um and uh, I don't know, whatever else, whatever else we have time for based on your questions. So if you're with us this morning and you have a question you want to pop in, uh, this pop is... Pop away. Yeah, pop away and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll do our best to answer them. So, all right, Pearl. So what's happening this week in your life in terms of financial aid? Well, uh, at this juncture, at this point, most financial aid forms for the class of 2022 have been filed, uh, decisions have been made, and for many regular decision applicants, those decisions are about to come in. Um, and we are just really still responding to the onesie twosie follow-up forms that uh, 
are requested by some institutions after the filing of the financial aid forms um, in kind. Often there is something in the financial aid forms once we file them. Again, I always say this, that's the feels like the end of the process. Oh, we filed, now we're done, now we wait. Not really. You file forms and then that is the beginning of the process because there are things that are chock full in those financial aid applications that will give rise to additional information needed by the by the schools. For example, if you own a business, uh, some schools may want additional information about the assets of a business, about the um, percentage owned, very the business returns. Something called a business farm supplement may be required. Um, in, in other instances, there will be something called a federal verification, which happens in about 60% of the cases and often is just random. It is nothing to be alarmed by. So that's happening now. Um, and often- May, well, except unless you've made a mistake where yeah. you've forgotten to put down certain assets mm -hmm. or- um, something just looks weird, then it's like an audit, you know? Right. So for example, you, verification is right. not great. You know, it's, it rarely results in them giving you more money. True. But often it is just a pro forma. It can also be a neither here nor there random act where you're asked to provide certain information, jump through a few more hoops before they're going to provide a financial aid award. But most, a lot of people actually don't even know what it is and they blow it off or they think right. it's some sort of spammy thing and, and that's going to either delay, delay or, sure. or, or cancel out your award. So you have to pay attention to them. Right. Um, and, and the way this could come up, I'll just give a brief example. Um, on your tax return, for example, on you could have dividend or interest income uh, that shows up on your return, but then you're not providing asset um, amounts that match what that distribution income would be. And so there's there's the question, and that's where a, a good financial aid officer might say, hey, what happened to the asset that gave rise to those distributions? And, that, and, and that's pretty common yeah. because if you are, I just did a webinar last night on how to shelter assets. And if you have some you know, money in the bank that's, that's throwing off interest, uh, and then by the time you file your financial aid applications, that amount has been moved from your, your let's say, your bank savings account and you put into one of the exempt assets that don't need to be disclosed on the financial aid applications. That's exactly the, the scenario that Pearl just mentioned that could give rise to, okay, now we want to see what generated that interest. We don't see it on the financial aid applications. Then the burden is on you to say, well, this is what we did. And, you know, all of our strategies are legitimate, you know, uh, for financial planning purposes. So there's nothing wrong with sheltering your, your money, but just be prepared to explain that right. if you've done that. Exactly. Anywho, uh, well, pretty much at this point. So we're, we're waiting for, pause. well, you kind of answered my whole, you finished my whole spiel. But that, yes, you would, you might be called to explain what happened to the missing asset or the asset that's not really jibing with, uh, what your tax return shows. So um, other than that, we are waiting to get financial aid awards. I know, I know I'm touching on appeals a little, but there are a lot of parents who want to jump the gun and, well, we know she wants to go to this school. And I know we haven't heard back yet from like five other schools that are major contenders, but like, we just can't wait anymore. We want to wear the sweaters. We want to put the sticker on the back of the car. Okay. Cool your jets. You've come this far. Your kid has worked this hard. Let the process complete. And what that means is don't uh, 
All right, I was just going to use a not Monday at 9 a.m. expression. So I'll just say don't uh, blow it. Ew. Um, by jumping the gun. It is not the case that you have 5 million bites at this apple. You want to wait until you have your best points of leverage, which in this instance is often a competing financial aid offer from another school. If you go ahead and appeal an award and you're still waiting for this other thing to come in and then it comes in and then you want to say, and, and another thing, and another thing. I mean, that's not credible in a discussion. It's not credible in financial aid either. You got to just Exercise a little patience, trust the process. We've been doing this for many, many, many years, and we've seen what works and we've seen what doesn't work. And to that end, we recommend that you wait till you have all your financial aid offers back before we then um, attempt an appeal. Some of the reasons why people get all excited and want to just get it over with is just fatigue. Um, your kids are excited about getting in. <laughs> There's pressure sometimes to put a housing deposit down, which mm -hmm. we always say, go ahead and go put ahead. that down. It, it's, it's very common for people to walk away from it. Not that we're recommending that, but it's that's not necessarily going to destroy your leverage in yeah. a negotiation. But um, if you can wait, you, sh you should wait. But definitely wait till all of the offers that you're expecting right. come in just the way Pearl just said, because you want to have maximum leverage. So if you can say... Look, we got five other offers from other colleges that are, that are competitors. And the only reason we're considering these other offers is because of financial reasons, not for any other reason. Um, last week, I had a conversation with a uh, mom and a dad and uh, the, the kid. They were co-located. Mom was in the city. Um, the, the kid was in Long Island and the dad was in Finland. Huh. It, was, it was it was weird. And um, uh, I said, I know we're waiting on offers from three or four other colleges, but they're not the type who's going to give an award. So let's just go ahead and, and try to appeal. So it's sort of a case by case right. basis. But generally, we say wait till everything comes in. And then you go through the, the school's protocols. You know, they sometimes they have a, a form that they want you to complete. Sometimes they say, you know, just email us. Mm -hmm. um, very, very rarely, you'll, they'll say, just uh, give us a call. That's hardly ever what they want, by the way. So respect what they want and give it to them. And then you have to come up with a legitimate reason why you want more money. It can't just be, I need more money because I want more money. Although, by the way, sometimes that works. But the best reasons are, here's what's changed. Here's some new information that, that you didn't know. My income dropped. Uh, I had these crazy expenses like legal bills or uh, unreimbursed medical or, or something like that. Not, I pay a lot of taxes or property right. taxes. They know that already. That's not new. Um, and then, you know, follow again, their procedures. You need to probably check a box or check another box. You need to provide a letter of explanation. Um, most colleges will negotiate. Not all. I, I strike out sometimes as, as great as I, uh, I think of, of myself, not to be falsely modest. I am pretty good at negotiating. But um, a lot of schools won't budge, but it's always worth a try. They're not going to. You know, You're not going say, to be in a worse position than you are right now. Uh, I was going to say sometimes parents ask, I'm sure you get the same question. Mm -hmm. uh, well, can they take the offer away? Can they rescind the offer of admission if we ask? And no, they, no, they can't. It's it's an offer. And if you accept it, you're going. Yeah. All right. If you have any, uh, any questions, anything you want to ask us about, Let's just see. I see a bunch of people on us early in the morning. 
I, uh, good morning to Chris, uh, Christina, Marianne, Bridget. You guys are all welcome to throw in a question here. I'm now going to bring in our resident SAT and ACT prep maven. Maven, exactly. Clap. Was that was that a studio uh, a studio clap? Yes. Um, Carolyn, why don't you just you're a little cut off here. We have to get closer here so we're both on the screen. Okay. Good morning, Marissa. Good morning. Happy Pi Day. <laughs> Happy Monday to you. So, um, one of the things I want to make sure we talk about uh, is you're doing the, this sort of experimental cr uh, crash course, or I should say, cram course for the ACT. But before we get into that. Just talk a little bit about the changes that are pending to the SAT and when they happen, just briefly, and why people should care, because I'm still getting a lot of questions about that, and there's a lot of confusion. So in 2024, they'll be changing the SAT from a paper-based exam to a digital-based exam. That's the biggest change, the format in which you take it. So if you have a student now in the class of 2025, that's likely to be the major class impacted by this. The exception being students who start to take the SAT earlier. Like if you're taking it in ninth or 10th grade, then you might have some overlap between the two formats and you might want to strongly consider the ACT in that case. Um, the biggest diff, the, the next biggest difference is it's a shorter exam. It's no longer three hours and change. Now it's two hours and change. I think that's the change that will have the biggest impact on students. I think they'll be a lot happier to have a shorter test. And then beyond that, it's actually section adaptive, which means your performance on the first module of say math will affect the questions you get in the second module. Wow. So, so I remember well, when, we, when we did a webinar on this, I was, I don't know if you've come up with a, a better answer because I was sort of scratching my head. I don't, how's that fair? I mean, do you get different questions than other people are going to get or are they yeah. just front load the, the easier ones or the harder ones or something? Well, I think I think the beginning ones, this is some guesswork on me, on my part. I think the beginning ones are like average difficulty. So if you do really well on that, like, okay, we know that we don't have to bother giving you the easy questions because based on your performance on the first module, we know you're going to get them right. So let's go straight to the harder questions. But if you do so poorly. Sorry. Are people still all taking the same test, just in different the, the questions are just ordered differently? Your, your questions will be different. Every like I don't know if everybody's questions will be different, but Sounds not so everybody will have the same questions. I think the mm. first module will be the same for everybody of the section. Um, but the but other tests are like that already. Like the GRE, isn't that one of them that's that's yes, adaptive? The the GRE is section adaptive, like it sounds like the SAT will be. Now sometimes they change the way <laughs> they change sometimes from what they say like they did the, the last time they changed the SAT, they made some announcements. And then when we saw the actual test, it wasn't exactly what they said. So based on what they've said, this is what, I, what I've heard. Um, it's like the GRE where the first part, the first part of the section will determine how you do in the second part, which questions you get on the second part of the section. Okay. But the GMAT is, every question is different. As opposed to having a different section. GMAT, yeah, I said GRE, GMAT. Okay, GMAT. okay. So, so again, that's that's next year. Uh, that'll start oh. in twenty twenty four. Okay, in um, but internationally, I think they start earlier. Or something. Yeah, internationally is twenty twenty three. In the U.S., 
it'll start in the, so this is the spring, the spring of 2023 will be internationally, the spring of 2024 will be for uh, US students. Um, and then what do you suggest in terms of being able to prep for these, uh, for these new tests, which are, you know, there's, there's no more paper exams. What's I mean, your they will be tips? releasing um, computer exams that you can take probably on the Khan Academy. They'll probably stick with them for test prep. Um, but they say the content will remain the same. I don't 100% believe that. I think they'll change the type, some of the types of questions they're giving, but you know, the overall concepts that they're testing will be the same, like your reading ability, grammar, and math up through Algebra 2. Interesting. All right. Um, in general, whether someone's taking the SAT or the ACT, uh, when, when do you recommend that people start prepping in earnest? I really love the summer before the junior year. Of course, it depends on your schedule. I just spoke with a, a parent the other night whose son is doing some sort of basketball camp or something, traveling all around and won't have time in the summer. But the majority of students have more time in the summer where they're not distracted by the rigors of the school year and all the extracurriculars and all the other stuff that you have going on, especially in your junior year. That's an extremely busy year. So I really like starting in the summer of your junior year. But I would say if that doesn't work, don't start any later than like the late fall. Like I would start by the winter of your junior year so that you have enough time to properly prepare and retake the test multiple times if you need to especially students who suffer from test anxiety, you want to leave yourself a lot of space to retest so that you can get used to the exam. We don't want pressure and running out of time. You know, when you're playing sports over the summer, that's great. That's important. But I, I, chances are they're not going pro. So uh, yeah. I would urge them to get your priorities uh, yeah, in order. Yeah, yeah at, least, at least do a, a t some tutoring, you know, maybe once a week and, and a practice test a week or something just, just to start. Yeah. Um, what about people who think that, uh, you know, it's too early to start in the, in the summer because they haven't had, you know, algebra two or something? Well, I would say it's too early to start seriously testing, but it's really, when is it ever really too early to prepare for something? I mean, technically you've been preparing for these tests for years, learning all of the material that you need. So I think it always helps to have a head start, but you're not going to get your highest possible score until you've learned the majority of the material on the test. So, you know, it's a definitely retest. You can, you could start testing and just get used to the exam, but definitely make sure you have a test after you've completed the math in school. But on top of that, you will be learning some of the math in our course as well. Right. It's not a substitute for taking algebra two, but our class can help you get a head start on your class <laughs> as well. Yeah, in, in high school. Yeah, yeah I've had um, many students tell me and parents tell me that, like, oh, your class helped my kid get a higher score in English or math. That's great. How yeah. many Algebra two questions are there anyway on, on an SAT or, or an ACT? It's not like it's the majority of the test. I couldn't, I couldn't give you the exact number because they break it down by topic rather than like how many Algebra two. Yeah. but it's not like half the test is Algebra two. It's, there's a lot of pre-algebra. So right. that's another reason to get Head Start because you have to relearn math that you haven't been tested on and haven't been learning in, in school for a long time. A lot of students forget geometry. Right. These are things that you've already learned. Most of the test 
you've already learned. Yeah. Aside from the grammar, which you will learn in our class. Because <laughs> because grammar is not taught anymore any, anywhere. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Unless you're you, going to maybe a Catholic school or something, you probably too much pressure on the kids <laughs> to speak properly and yeah, write properly. No, even the parochial schools, I, I find that there's a deficiency. Yeah. yeah, they but they have some background at least, whereas yeah. my public school kids typically have they have nothing or they have they you know they've learned rules from elementary school that aren't really accurate. So I have to unteach some of the bad. <laughs> Do they have better handwriting though at least that i wouldn't know okay <laughs> <laughs> okay um talk a little bit about the our experimental um new micro cram courses uh i know and we've got a couple coming up for the act so what's, yes the act what's, what's and the if it goes well we'll offer it for the future sat and act uh exam test dates as well but there are two hour mini courses to give you a review for any topic, you, you can just sign up for one course. You don't have to take all of them, or you could if you take all of them if you want. But we have one for math, one for science for the ACT, one for the gra grammar, which is the English section, and one for reading as well. So it's a two hour course where we go over the most important, well, the most valuable tips I can give you that will like yield the most points for you. So that's what our focus is um, review of some concepts and also strategy and little like tips and tricks and shortcuts that I figured out along the way. You know, the backstory is we, um, I, I'm sure I've told you this before, Pearl, but we've resisted doing this, even though a lot, uh, many other test prep companies do this because Marissa and I agree with her said, you know, how much can you really learn? It's much better to, you know, enroll in a full course. Uh, you know, so she's got the time to be able to, to teach all this, but you know, schedules being what they are, human nature being what it is, and people put things off. And um, so, so we kind of broke down and said, okay, let's do this. But you know, the, the best way to study is not by cramming. Hello. Yes. The, the best way is to, you know, take your time and, and, and learn the concepts. But these are still valuable brush-ups. And yes. they could be sort of an int introduction to, you know, maybe do a little bit of tutoring after that, after you get your results back and, and take one last bite at the apple before your, your final SAT or final ACT. So that's why we're offering them. So, so the next ACT is next month, right? In uh, in April. In April, yep. And so we have our first uh, cram. I'm just looking at the dates. We have the 22nd March. for our reading, 24th for the grammar, math is the 29th, and the 31st, and the science is the 30th. Right. Okay. So, How do we sign up? I'm not gonna sign up for it. I thought, I'm. I graduated law school. You want to sign up? I want to sign up. How's Pearl sign up? We could all take the ACT together. Uh, you can go to lockwoodtestprep.com and click on cram, which maybe we should rename it as brush up. <laughs> cram. Cram is more dramatic. Yeah. Okay. Like Urgency that. is, yeah. But it's, it's more of a review and extra tips. It's not a substitute. For doing actual SAT or ACT prep. And we do actually have our next ECT and SAT classes coming up as well. So if you're interested in signing for those, go to lockwoodtestprep.com and click on either online or in person for obvious You're in person? We have in person, yeah. Wow. What's the okay. next policy? Uh, it depends on like the numbers. Uh, <laughs> when we started our last one, I, I had students masking up because the numbers were really high. 
Uh, now I've been relaxing that. So it'll depend on, I guess, what the CDC recommends. Does it depend on what the kids look like or? Depends on their breath. Breath. Okay. <laughs> right, good. Wow, we've covered so much today. So th thank you very much um, for your wit and wisdom. So check out LockwoodTestPrep.com for all the above, cram courses, regular classes, tutoring, um, photos of Marissa and her cats, you know, whatever. Um, okay. But I do see a related question. Oh, fire away. From Wendy. Good morning from Houston. Can you address the digital format of taking the SAT? Downloading an app, can it be taken on a desktop, a laptop, a Chromebook, et cetera? Thanks. Uh, well, you cannot take it at home. So I don't want anyone to get the wrong idea. It's not like they did that experimental AP at home during the COVID, the beginnings of the COVID pandemic. Uh, you do have to take it in a testing center in your school. Um, I believe you can use a laptop or a tablet. Not sure about the desk. If you were using a desktop, obviously that would be at the school, not one that you bring yourself. <laughs> <laughs> but you do have an option to use your own device, which I think is great because you'll be comfortable with the device that you're using as opposed to using a brand new com to you computer at a testing center. Um, I assume that you will have to download software. <laughs> I don't see how else it could work. Um, probably like the bar exam software that they have where it sort of blocks out everything so you can't <laughs> eat and can't access the internet. <laughs> yeah. Got it. All righty. So. Oh. I think we're done with Marissa. So thank right. you. I'll let you get back to your your day. I'll go and, and brush my cats. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sounds, sounds like an exciting day. All right. Thanks. Uh, talk to you soon. Bye-bye. All right. So let's before we wrap up, I saw another question coming in uh, about, let's see. And this is, consider this last call for questions as we, as we wrap up. Don't look. You have your own device. There's, not, there's supposed to be less cheating on the on the SAT now. It's going digital. I feel like you're setting <laughs> a bad subliminal. Just want to make sure you answer everyone's questions. Okay. Well, you have your own phone, so come on. Okay, fine. Hello to Gabrielle. Um, and let's see. Hello, Julie, Christine. Um, can 529 funds be used for outward bound? Um, probably not. You have to look at the definition of what a qualified higher education expense is. That's generally tuition and room and board. What about summer courses at college? Um, if when you're I, in high I'm, I'm guessing that um, that would count if it's for college credit, but not if it's just a regular course. But you have to look very closely at the 529 rules. Qualified higher education expense is supposed to mean tuition room and board and maybe like a laptop or something equipment it also includes paying back loans it also includes loans. well that's tuition but yeah okay um in that year by the way you can't pay but you can't use a 529 to pay back loans from two years ago okay apparently uh it also includes private school right? i think uh, i think you get up to ten thousand dollars to pay for private school tuition it could be could be wrong so there we go pearl that was another Another episode in the books. Thank you, everyone, for watching. And I think we were on LinkedIn today. Exciting. Big day for us. This will also be posted on our podcast, The College Planning Edge. We're just simulcasting everywhere. It's so exciting. 
except Russia. Why? We might be Relevant. Russia. I think they get LinkedIn. Oh. I think I'm uh, friends with. No, I'm not. Um, all right. So, you have anything else to add that's uh, of substance or even just a little? Have a great week. Dry comment? No? Okay. <laughs> no. Thank you, everyone. For more information, go to lockwoodcollegeprep.com or lockwoodtestprep.com and have a great week. Bye bye. Just going to awkwardly sign off. <laughs> and bye. Thanks for listening to the College Planning Edge podcast. For more information about our Inner Circle Group Coaching Membership, which is a great way to dip your toes in the water of the whole college planning morass, um, and get access to our double-secret software, College Guru software, that helps you create a strategic list of colleges and identify fat, juicy, merit aid, and need-based aid opportunities, as well as some other benefits, check out the Lockwood Inner Circle at LockwoodInnerCircle.com and use the coupon code PODCAST for 50% off the first month's membership. Thanks for listening.